Last week, we looked at what's being done to tackle hair coursing. This week, the tougher line on another blight of the countryside, tackling those responsible for fly tipping. Every two weeks, we have a commercial fly tipping event, which could be a dozen car tyres, uh, it could be a fridge uh, or a freezer or a washing machine. This isn't just uh, somebody uh, dropping a bit of rubbish rather than pay to take it to the tip. You're seeing this on a huge scale. Also, bird flu is back, admittedly a different strain, with an England-wide prevention zone. What's the advice? It does have enormous implications for the industry. Uh, And, of course, everybody must be incredibly vigilant. And we're in Parliament tasting gin and cheese with MPs. Today is about showing what we're doing to feed the country, but not just feed the country in terms of volume, but also in terms of quality. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. Good morning. It was the last outdoor llama this week and the great outdoors decided to take its revenge on plans to go indoors next year. Uh, You'll know if you were stuck in the traffic on Thursday or indeed one of the exhibitors. The second day of the event was cancelled after those strong winds overnight which severely damaged the showground. Marquees were blown down, exhibits were also damaged and it was decided it was just too unsafe to continue. Ben Underwood of the CLA was there. Ben, I couldn't get onto the showground itself. I know you were eventually allowed in. What was it like? Uh, well, it uh, well we were we were stood there for for some time, uh, not knowing what was going on. But I have to say, the power of social media shone through, and um, they did a good job of keeping us updated. We were eventually allowed onto the showground, um, certainly where we were in marquee number seven, part of the marquee had come away, and frankly, most of the stands inside were in a pretty bad state. Um, I mean, no major structural damage, but certainly uh, you couldn't have opened the show that day, I have to say, so I fully support their decision, as disappointing as it may be. And of course, you were there on the first day, Uh, a successful first day? Yeah, absolutely. I thought there was a really good buzz, actually. It seemed very busy. Um, We were certainly very busy on our stand. Uh, We did um, some work with Safety Revolution on promoting safety on farms and estates um, and lots of of members coming uh, via our stand. So, no, quite a a good buzz, really. So, real disappointment about the second day. Well, Ben, uh, stay with us. Uh, Back to you in a moment. Uh, Had Ben and I met up at Lama, we were going to talk about fly tipping after the CLA published that photograph we mentioned last week on the programme of the cow chewing an empty beer can left behind after a picnic on Stafford Proctor's land at Sutton Bridge. We'll hear from Stafford himself in a moment, but first, uh, this week the government took a tougher stance on the problem of fly tipping. It's issued new proposals which could see on-the-spot fines of £400 if you allow someone without a licence to take your rubbish away. Councils will also be encouraged to do more to identify waste found dumped and track it back to its original owner. Environment Minister Theresa Coffey revealed the proposals on Monday, the same day that I bumped into Farm Minister George Eustace. It's become a very important issue in the last um, couple of years in particular, in that you're getting um, really now, you know, almost quite organised criminal gangs that are uh, being paid to collect rubbish and literally dumping it on an industrial scale uh, onto farmers' land. So this isn't just uh, somebody uh, dropping a bit of rubbish um, rather than paid to take it to the tip. You're seeing this on a huge scale and it's causing huge distress uh, for many farmers and uh, my ministerial colleague Therese Coffey uh, has announced this week a new plans to crack down on that and I think uh, uh, that's, that's uh, about time that we did take action on this because this is a problem that's grown very quickly in the last two years so I'm delighted that we're moving that forward. George Eustace speaking there on Monday. 
Stafford Procher is the man who owns the heifer, which was photographed with the beer can ring in its mouth. Stafford talked us through what happened. Some boys had come down Saturday night. Um, they'd had a party. Uh, and that's fine, you know, but that, that's what picnic sites are for, for people to enjoy. But, you know, but people have got to remember that they've got to take away what they bring. Unfortunately, in this instance, they'd, they'd come down with a, uh, a big case of, of Budweiser beer <coughs> and uh, they'd chuck the case out, they'd chuck the individual <coughs> cans out uh, and then they chucked uh, some, some glass bottles out as well. And, uh, and, and this is what the cow, the heifer, came across and, and found very interesting. And, you know, the real disaster for us is if that young heifer, who's obviously at the start of her life, uh, actually choked on that, then, you know, we, we would have lost her and... And her and her calves for many years to come. And it's just you know that's that's one incident of a picnic. But fly tipping, it's it's such a big problem in the countryside, isn't it? Driving here today, ten minutes down the road in the layby, there's a fridge and and some other rubbish just dumped in the layby, which I've taken a photo of. It, it, it's 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 staggering just how bad a problem it is in the countryside, isn't it? Yeah, I mean you know it, it it's all about education, I believe. Um, <clears throat> I know on our farm we have maybe. Every two weeks, we have uh, what I would call a, a, a commercial fly tipping event, which could be uh, a dozen car tires, uh, it could be a fridge, uh, or a freezer, or washing machines. You know, and uh, where I farm in South Lincolnshire, we have a lot of uh, drainage dikes, uh, and they're they're quite handy for people just to reverse up to and, and drop something into. So. You know, I mean, we laugh about it, but in my yard at Long Sutton, you know, we've got a collection of four or five fridges that um, we pull out of our dikes uh, and then we talk very nicely to the district council and they will come and collect them. Uh, they don't much like pulling them out of the bottom of a dike, but we can do that for them. But, it, you know, it's happening more and more um, uh, on this commercial level, uh, but also we're finding more and more, you know, people just chucking stuff out of their cars, mm. which... which really should be taken home i don't know whether people think things are recyclable and they're going to break down in the environment but you know the story we're getting now about plastics is is that actually only a tiny proportion of them perhaps 10 15 percent are actually fully recyclable uh, and that's as, as long as they go through the recyclable process but a lot of plastics are multi-layered uh, and and can't be recycled and of course these plastics are just building up in our environment uh, at the bottom of our dikes and our road verges and just building up and building up and then they're not going to go anywhere so we just really need individuals to take personal responsibility to realize that actually chucking a paper cup out of the window is actually damaging the environment for future generations because this stuff is going to be with us for hundreds of years i think as far as the cost of this is concerned uh, i mean you know there has been uh, some work done um, sort of seeing how much it's been costing the local authorities, about £57 million a year just going around picking up fly-tipped fly rubbish. Now, that is the rubbish that's been fly-tipped on the, the edge of the highway. Now, the stuff that's been fly-tipped on the, on the farmland, that is a responsibility of the landowner to clear up. So I could quite easily say that that, 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 that £57 million could easily be repeated as a cost to the farmers. So, so the, it's costing the farming industry a lot. Now, we're really sort of taken aback by this because it's costing us a lot of, a lot of time, a lot of effort uh, to get that cleared up. Um, and, and I suspect it's probably the only the only crime where the victim ends up footing the bill. So uh, we really feel that there's there's scope for government uh, to to look into the legislation and 
you know, a farmer is 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 very unlikely um, uh, to, to to flight it rubbish on his own land, uh, and 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 you know, it, you know, it, it's a laughable prospect because all we're doing is farming the land to try and leave it in a better state for future generations. So that's definitely something on the on the farming front. Um, and other than that, I, I just think everyone uh, in society needs to be making sure that 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 their family are, are fully informed. Uh, I think it, it's just an educational thing so we can just ensure that uh, we all know that fly tipping and even chucking anything out of the car is, is really bad practice. It's our environment, it's our world. We've only got one of it and, uh, and if we don't look after it, it's, it's going to be in an appalling state for future generations. Stafford Proctor there. Let's uh, return to Ben Underwood at the CLA then, still on the line. Ben, uh, Stafford's talking there about us all being responsible and that education is the real way to tackle the issue of fly tipping. I guess you agree, do you? Absolutely, and, and from both ends. And from that, I mean we need to educate the public, and I'm pleased to see that DEFRA have released a consultation on looking at how we can steer members of the public when they are having uh, work done on their properties or whatever it may be to actually take note as to who is taking away that rubbish and to make sure that they see that they have a licence to do so. Uh, so it doesn't end up on our country lane. So that, that, that's a positive move, but also trying to tackle it uh, at the other end. And that needs more intelligence and more resource in the Environment Agency and closer working with both the police and the local authorities to, to sort of have a, a joint, um, a joint um, role in trying to stamp out this issue. I mean, in a, with our membership now, it's quite clear to me that this has moved on from being a significant nuisance to members to now quite a significant uh, financial burden. Uh, and to that end, uh, I really think the government must take it more seriously. What do you make of these? I mean, the idea, you know, with the, the spot fines, for example, do you think that might work? No, I mean, I, uh, I think we have the same issue at the moment with hair coursing, don't we? It's the, the fines just aren't of a magnitude to really steer behaviour and to prevent people from doing this. So, again, that's another side of lobbying that we will continue to push. You'll also note that we're still trying to call for the government to actually remove the liability of paying for clean-up from the landowner because we just feel that's unjust. And, and as I say, once upon a time, it could... We could we could deal with it to some degree because it was small and infrequent, but now it seems fly tipping has become so regular and the stuff that's being dumped is, is so difficult to dispose of. It can be really costly to farmers and landowners and we need to, to change that going forward. Thank you, Ben. Ben Underwood of the CLA on the phone and not speaking to me on day two of Lama as first planned. On to our weekly update on grain and oilseed rate prices then. It's Chris Spratt from Openfield this week. Chris, I know you didn't get to Lama, but some of the team did, didn't they? Yeah, well, that's right, Sean. They were, or tried to be anyway, on the second day. Uh, several of my colleagues had planned to attend, like like many others, and, uh, you know, were disappointed that they had to turn back. You know, shame, really. Costly exercise for exhibitors and everyone planning to attend. I suppose anything that's planned in January as an outdoor event is always in the lap of the gods a little bit, but uh, well, in this country anyway. But I do, rem- you know, several years ago we had to evacuate from uh, the Newark showground one afternoon, so it does happen. But next year, I think it's at the NEC, so uh, as I understand it anyway, so it should be a bit warmer at least, Sean. Um, as far as feed wheat market's concerned, well, spot price for feed wheat by and large dominates the market again. Uh, values have eased slightly, a little more first-hand grain coming out this week, I think, really. Futures have been a very thinly traded affair. 
UK wheat futures uh, on, on the London market traded uh, volume is down 25% over the last two years, and I think that's a reflection of the lack of activity on the export markets due to smaller crops and therefore less need for shippers to uh, be hedging a position, really. A couple of times this week the market didn't actually trade until after lunch, so it's been fairly quiet on that front. European analyst Strategy Grains, they uh, put out their monthly report midweek. They commented that cereal crops across the EU are generally in, in good condition, so no great concerns there at this moment in time. One thing of concern, I think, for growers is the all-seed rate price. That's, again, uh, suffered downward pressure on the week. Combination of factors, really, depending, I think, on whose opinion you ask. And while the market is weather-watching in uh, South America, there is still, uh, you know, expected to be large global soybean supplies coming forward over the next couple of months. Looking back over the past few years, obviously we know that can keep the lid on prices, or as we've seen in the past, any issue there can always be a catalyst for a rally on, on the on the all-seed rate market. But uh, uh, in the meantime, very very little first-hand uh, grain coming off the farm or rapeseed coming off the farm. Domestically, the crush margins remain good, but the crushes remain relaxed. If I would say hand-to-mouth, they're still utilising their stock position to counter any monthly shortfall. So with the UK grower... Holding, I would say, you know, larger than normal stocks at this time of year. It's a game of brinkmanship, and at the moment the consumer appears to have the upper hand. Uh, there has been talk, as there always is at this time of year, of Australian boats loading with rapeseed or canola for Europe, and these vessels could find their way into any one of uh, several destinations. But as we know, Australia don't have the volume available for export compared to last year. Over the course of the week, the French Matif Futures, uh, that is the, Catholic, is the, is the uh, market structure for uh, all-seed rape, lost around 10 to 12 euros week on week, and our market, uh, taking currency into account, lost a little more. Feed beans, they're still trading around £150 x farm for February, dependent on area, and the very best human consumption springs around 175 x Feed wheat prices, well, 139 to 144, dependent on location. Market still flat in the forward positions, uh, and only with a nominal carry, if any, towards the end of the season. Bread-making premium still around the £10 mark. New crop feed wheat, though, that's traded for harvest 133 to 138, with November 18 at 137 to 140. Feed barley, 124 to 128 for January, with a pound a month carry through to May. I will say barley, feed barley, stood its ground over the last couple of months and seems bulletproof against the price of wheat. And then finally, uh, as we've talked about earlier on, all seed rape trading uh, towards the end of the week at 285 to 288 in the spot positions with a pound a month carry through to May. New crop, uh, 281 for harvest and 291 for November 18. Thank you, Chris. Chris Spratt from Open Field. We'll have the latest on that new strain of bird flu in a moment. First, our weekly update on all things agronomy with Sean Sparling. Yes, good morning, Sean. We've had a bit of a week of weather. We've had some rain. It's very wet out there. We've had some frost. It's quite cold out there. And we've had some serious wind. We even had a little bit of snow at the beginning of the week. Um, so the weather is January. This is what happens in January, as we all know. It'd be quite nice to get two or three inches of snow laying for six weeks because that would stop the first of my problems, which is pigeons on my old seed rate. There are a lot of them out there. And if you've just assumed that because January is a bit of a nothing month, Christmas has been and gone, nothing really happens in January, it's cold, it's wet, it's windy, um, you might want to go out and have a look at some of your old seed rape because the pigeons have discovered them. They're not sat there with their feet up in the trees. Um, 
um, you need to get your bangers, your flashes, your crackers, your scarers out there because um, they can cause an awful lot of damage in a very short space of time. The damage is never quite as bad as it appears to be. Um, we always used to say unless they take the growing point, the crop will be fine. But it seems even if they do take that central growing point, the rate will branch out. We've seen that happen many, many times. But it makes far more sense to end up with a healthy crop going into the spring than it does a real backward battered one just for the sake of putting some bangers out. So if you can drive all those pigeons away to your neighbours, um, uh, if everybody thought the same way, we wouldn't really have a problem with pigeons, would we? We'd just keep them moving and they would just eat the grass verges. Um, so apart from that on oilseed rape, slugs are, are an issue, but they're more of an issue in cereals. The disease levels remain low. Propizomide you've got until the end of January. Carbetamide you've got until the end of February. But just watch the conditions. You will have to make a mess at some point. You can put propizomide on, on a frost. Um, but don't go on if you've got water standing in the field and standing up the tram lines because that's how it gets into the water course. Um, there will be an opportunity over the next fortnight or so I think to get that job done and it pays dividends the propizomide on grass weeds but not just grass weeds broadleaf weeds as well um, so moving on to cereals we, we don't have a problem with pigeons but we have a problem with the other pest which is causing us some big problems at the moment and that's slugs they've resurfaced in this last seven days and are causing a lot of damage particularly in the later drilled pieces of oilseed rape that were drilled late because of black grass pressure where they're following oilseed rape but it's not exclusively after oilseed rape if you've got land heavy land high organic matter content um, and you've had problems with slugs in those fields in the past you may well want to go and have a look at them get some slugs traps out don't spread whole fields spread areas within fields go and walk them see where the problems are it's very very obvious and there are a lot of slugs out there now as far as metaldehyde goes you can now start using metaldehyde again if you've used your 210 grams of active ingredient allocation between the 1st of august and the end of december you can now use another 400 grams between now and the end of july but and there is a but the caveat i place on it is if you've got wet sodden wet fields you really shouldn't be putting metaldehyde on those fields. Use the ferrous phosphate slug pellet. They work just as effectively. The slugs don't die on the surface. They go away and die, so you don't see the dead bodies if that's what um, floats your boat. But you won't get a problem with ferrous phosphate getting into water courses because metaldehyde is hydrophilic it latches into water and that's how we get it into reservoirs and that's why we see levels increasing in periods of wet weather so just make sure you make the right decision and i think as far as it goes if you've still got atlantis to put on as we've said before the conditions are all wrong these leaves aren't drying these crops aren't drying in the day no point putting atlantis onto a wet leaf it needs a dry leaf and it needs two hours to dry on after you've put it on so the best thing to do is monitor your slugs, treat the slugs accordingly if and where they require treatment. Probably best to use ferrous phosphate on the wetter land, reserve your metaldehyde for when things dry up a little, and just get into that office, do all your fertiliser plans, your NMAX, work out what muck you've got, make sure you've got enough storage if it's that sort of thing that you need, and balance everything off, but allow for the nutrients you're putting on with chicken muck, for example. If you're putting broiler on, or pig muck or farmyard manure you're also putting p and k on so perhaps you won't need to use quite as much p and k so that's what you want to do at the moment get in the office do your paperwork get everything up to date so that we're ready and raring to go for when spring kicks in or when the snow stops us doing everything for six weeks whichever one of those happens first sean sparling of sparling agronomy services 
On Thursday, DEFRA declared a bird flu prevention zone for the whole of England after more dead wild birds were found with the virus. 13 have been confirmed to have the virus in Warwickshire, along with 31 in Dorset. What does uh, it mean, though, if, if you keep birds, whether just a, a small a couple of hens in the back garden or involved in the industry? Alison Pratt is from the NFU. Currently, the prevention zone merely asks producers to implement much higher biosecurity um, procedures. It's not a housing order at all. Um, but what we do um, ask producers to do is to make sure that they are very, very hot on their biosecurity, to make sure that they do have disinfectant footpaths and that they make sure that there's uh, no unnecessary visits um, to their premises and certainly not into the enclosures where birds are kept. It's kind of uh, common sense if you like but I'm sure many in the trade will, will know exactly what they, they, they need to do but it is important isn't it, to try and stop this spread any further. Yes and it's important for people who only keep a few hens and ducks as well you know if you have a small backyard flock um, please do make sure that they can't mix with wild birds um, for example you, if you've got a pond in your garden please net it and make sure your hens and ducks can't get at it. Make sure that feed uh, also is separated away so that seagulls and other wild birds can't get at it. Um, it can happen to anybody as we saw in the last outbreak last year. Uh, even backyard flock producers um, um, unfortunately their birds contracted it too. It's, I guess it's not a surprise is it that it's happened again because it, it's natural you know this time of year migrating birds and that kind of thing can have that kind of impact can't it? Mm. Yes and we know it's been circulating in northern Europe this winter. It's interesting though that it is a different strain. Uh, we had H5N8 last year this is H5N6 uh, we think I think that's the, going to be the strain that's um, recorded in Warwickshire as well. I would like to say though that there is no danger to human health uh, it's important to say that um, obviously if you do come across a dead bird um, out on your walks in the countryside um, report it, there's a, a, an APHA Animal Plant and Health Agency telephone number to ring um, wash your hands um, but generally speaking there's absolutely no risk to human health by eating um, eggs or poultry meat of any sort um, so please be assured that it's not like Australian flu, you won't come down with something really awful um, just because you might have um, touched a dead bird and it is important to say do follow the advice don't think it won't happen to me it won't happen to my birds because because this can have a real devastating effect Mm. whether it's backyard flocks or wider industry i know some in the industry still getting over last year aren't they that's right the uh, the implications um are very severe um uh, if you are a commercial poultry keeper your whole premises will be shut down as will your neighbors you won't be able to move anything and that includes eggs meat manure um, anything that comes off the premises will be shut down. Uh, it does have enormous implications for the industry uh, and of course everybody must be incredibly vigilant and if you're in, in the least bit worried about the health of your birds please talk to your vet. Alison Pratt from the NFU will naturally keep an update on that over the coming days. Earlier this week, two events took place in Parliament showing off what British farming has to offer. The NFU held its cheese and beer event on Tuesday, while the night before, the Louth and Horncastle MP Victoria Atkins invited food and drink producers from her constituency to show MPs and those who work at Westminster just what products are on offer in uh, her part of the world. And uh, I was lucky enough to go along there as well. I'll let you into a little secret. That's where we met George Eustace, actually. And uh, I did grab a a short comment on uh, fly tipping, as I knew we'd be discussing that.
that on the farming programme. We heard that earlier. But of course, we started by talking about the event in Parliament itself on Monday. Well, Lincolnshire is famed uh, for its food. Uh, in many ways, it's the breadbasket of the UK. Uh, and if you uh, look at Lincolnshire, the local enterprise partnership there has put a lot of emphasis on both agriculture and on food production. Uh, and what we want to do as we uh, contemplate now a new agriculture bill this year mm. is put in place the right kind of support and incentives uh, for our farmers to help them invest to become uh, more productive, more competitive, more profitable, uh, but also to help support uh, the environment. But we're also very interested in whether we can help producers add value to their produce. And what I've seen here in Parliament today uh, with the businesses showcased here is lots of fantastic examples of uh, businesses, often small businesses, who've taken the initiative uh, to do something different that adds value uh, to the brand and adds value to food production from Lincolnshire. Obviously, you were at the uh, Lincolnshire show last year, tasting Lincolnshire produce. It's great that Victoria's managed to bring produce here to Westminster for you and your colleagues to actually see it here at the, the heart of government, if you like. Absolutely. And, you know, I know that um, these events take a lot of organising, trying to persuade people to come all the way down to Parliament to showcase uh, their, their goods. And I think it's absolutely fantastic that Victoria has put this together, put the work in to make this happen. Uh, as I said, we've got some of the uh, best uh, food brands uh, you can have in Lincolnshire and it's absolutely amazing that we can showcase it here. So uh, I've got a lot of admiration for Victoria for doing this work because I know a lot of work goes into making such events work. DEFRA Farm Minister George Eustace there talking about that uh, event in Parliament on Monday, organised, as I say, by Victoria Atkins, the Louthan Horncastle MP. Today is about showing what we're doing in our part of the county to feed the country, but not just feed the country in terms of volume, but also in terms of quality. We've got award-winning cheesemakers, uh, drink, we've got award winning pork pies and sausages we've got award winning eggs here even and it's just to get the message out that East Lincolnshire and Lincolnshire as a, as a whole is ready to do business on the food market and we've got some really amazing food and drink producers here. It's often said, you know, we uh, feed the country but we really do, don't we? And particularly in Louth and Horncastle. We really do I mean we have the highest tonnage of wheat production of any uh, country in Europe, apparently our area so um, we've we, we are responsible. We know that people across the country, when they're having their breakfast and they're eating their fur burns, eggs, or they're perhaps uh, having a nice uh, bite of cheese after dinner uh, as a treat, that's probably, you know, it may well be Lincolnshire poacher cheese. We've got an extraordinary array of delicious food and drink and this is really about making sure that first of all, um, how the House of Commons knows about it, but also uh, DEFRA ministers, because we're going to be having one of the DEFRA ministers here today to see for himself the great work we're doing in our county. And that's it. It's important to show it off, really, isn't it? to highlight it. Absolutely, I promised when I became Member of Parliament for Louth and Horncastle I promised that I would uh, champion our constituency in our part of the country and this is just one uh, example of me trying to do that. MP Victoria Atkins there. Also at the event on Monday was the chef Rachel Green. It's amazing to be here isn't it? I mean I, I... I'm slightly bowled over, really, um, to be with all our wonderful Lincolnshire food as well. We've got some of our lovely, well-known stars like uh, Lincolnshire Poacher. The Jones boys are here in force, um, sampling the cheese, um, which is always a pleasure. And I'm here generally for myself, but also as ambassador for Lincolnshire food. But I'm particularly here with Fairburns and uh, the, about the SPs campaign. So, yes, we've got Fairburns eggs there showing off their new British blue egg. Which is like you just had a piece of the frittata, haven't you? It was very nice as well. Did you very enjoy nice. that? Good. So, um, just showing off this incredible new egg that uh, they have 
basically designed really um, and it's got a larger yoke than normal and lots of other great properties about it and of course the lovely peas that you know I'm well known for my my campaign on peas so the yes peas campaign fully sort of still going ahead and we're still growing lots of peas in Lincolnshire so that's amazing and we've got Pinjin here from Louth Everybody's there's a big the big queue around that store particularly <laughs> Skibrook Cider as well and um, um, we, we, we you know we've got we've got pork pie and hayslet as well so I, th- I think you've had some of that I have I, you caught me eating just as I, you came and said hello but I, I, it's it's such a variety as well which you know back we know that back in Lincolnshire that we do everything really almost mm. but we do everything very very well yeah. and I think you know what is so great about Victoria Atkins is that she has actually said that she. I spoke to her a while ago and she said, I'm going to do something in the Houses of Parliament. And she's a lady that does. And she's getting, obviously, one of the deferent ministers to come down as well, she which is. is great to and really show off the food we, that we've got in Lincolnshire. Ab- absolutely. Um, she's, she's not af- af- afraid of saying what she thinks. Uh, and that's hugely refreshing. It really is. Um, she's got a lot of people here. She's got representation from the Prime Minister as well today. So there's lots of people coming in. There are people from the NFU coming in um, as well and from the CLA and, and lots of other um, people. Lots of other MPs have come in, actually, from various other constituencies throughout the UK. I cannot stress to everybody you know, how important it is what, of what we do in Lincolnshire for food security of this country and everything. We're the biggest producer of food for the UK and I think that is something we need to shout about more often and yes I think we we have a bright future in Lincolnshire we we have a really definite bright future um, and I think that that is something that we should all be very proud of and we've got huge businesses like like Fairburns for example but we've also got incredibly fantastically talented smaller businesses as well who have their place within Lincolnshire it isn't just about the big boys there you know, it was really interesting to talk to your husband and wife team, um, Amy from from Pinjin. You know what they're doing in Louth. You know they saw a niche in the market and they've gone for it. Uh, they're they're a young young couple, and I hope that they do incredibly well. You know it's really lovely to see people and starting off from their grassroots and just wondering where they're going to grow to. Uh, it's a bit like Coat Hill Blue Cheese. You know I remember seeing Mike the piece of cheese in his fridge, and he said I'm going to produce this cheese, and it was all the size of about sort of two inch square, and he gave me the tiniest taste I've ever had in my life, but. What a success story. Lincolnshire produces passion, people with passion, integrity. It produces great food. And do you know what? It produces great food because we have fabulous people and great people in the county who believe in what they do and they're passionate. That counts for an awful lot. Very passionate about her food and drink, particularly British food and farming. Rachel Green there, probably known to many of you as well. She was at that event in Parliament on Monday. Plenty of food producers there as well, drink producers as well from the Louth and Horncastle constituency. I've got their details and uh, what we thought we would do is uh, we'll go and see them uh, actually in their, well if, for example, uh, Pinjin who were there. We'll go see them at their distillery, hoping to open a new distillery soon. We'll go see them. Poacher Cheese, thought we'd go and see uh, exactly what's happening there and how they're really sustainable actually. Everything they're growing on the land goes into helping feed the cattle, which goes into making the milk and the cheese. Anyway, we will go see them and bring that to you on a future edition of the Farming Programme. But uh, it was such a good event on Monday, and uh, sadly we didn't have time for it in the main programme. I thought it was was nice to bring you a bit of a podcast bonus. But as I say, uh, some of those producers, we will bring them to you and their stories, because they're fascinating stories in future editions of the Farming Programme. The Farming Programme. 
five-day forecast. It's a wet day today. Some wintry showers in places, rain elsewhere. Three, the high, the wind from the south-southeast, 15, gusting at 30 miles an hour. Quite foggy and misty overnight tonight. Should dry out after midnight, though. We're looking at uh, fairly milder, actually, seven the low. So temperatures increasing as the day continues. The wind more from the west-southwest, 10 to 20 miles an hour. Some sunshine for Monday, eight staying the high. The wind from the northwest, 10 to 15 miles an hour. And then uh, a little bit more in the way of cloud overnight Monday into Tuesday. The wind increasing a bit from the south-southwest, looking at maybe 25, 30 miles an hour for a time. Temperatures a little cooler again, down to three Celsius. For Tuesday, staying mild with that southwesterly wind, 15, gusting at 30, 35 miles an hour. Should be mostly dry, we're looking at highs of 11. And then that wind increasing, maybe gusting up to 45, 50 miles an hour as we head into Wednesday from the south, southwest. Wednesday itself seeing further rain as well. Could be heavy for a time. Temperatures at around 12 Celsius. A little bit calmer then towards the latter end of the week with uh, plenty of sunshine, actually, some sunny spells, maybe some rain overnight. We're looking at temperatures nearer 6 Celsius during the day and around uh, 4 Celsius overnight. And that's the forecast. Next week, the NFU office holder elections are moving ever closer. Indeed, there are hustings this coming week. So we'll meet one of the contenders from our part of the world. That's next week at this time. Until then, have a good week's farming.